I want you to come up with me to the book of Hosea, book of Hosea today. And if you have your phone or your iPad, you can download the app. And if you download the app, you'll have the notes right there in front of you. So if you got your phone, download that free app, The Winning Church. Download it. And today we're talking, of course, we're kind of merging over into the family reset, but I want to kind of you know, uh, it'll bleed from the marriage into the uh, family. But today I want to talk about uh, a marriage is worth resetting. Say that with me. Marriage, marriage is worth resetting. Now we said that marriage reset, this is the definition that we gave you, of a union between a man and a woman who have made a commitment to each other, who agree to set their marriage differently than when they first started than when they first started. We started out one way, but there has been a reset since we started. Now let me see if I can get a little feedback. How many of you that are married right now have had a reset since you've been from when you first started? You got a reset, all right, okay, good, good. And I hope that your reset was not a, a setback. I pray that your reset propelled you to go forward. Okay? Our foundational scripture was found in, in Ephesians 5 and 33 where it says, So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So here's the question. How are husbands to love their wives? That's the question. How are husbands to love their wives and the answer is the way that Christ loves the church that's the answer how does God loves his people the way Hosea loved God so we want to talk about resetting and renewing your marriage I want you to Behold the harvest. Say that with me. Behold the harvest. Behold the harvest. Media, I want you to make sure you got the I-M-A-G, okay? The I-M-A-G. They know what that is. So you've heard and read the Bible how God brought Eve to Adam and Rebekah to Isaac. But this morning I'm going to tell you about someone who was in God's perfect will. Someone who married the woman God wanted him to marry, who continued in God's will and whose marriage was the pits, if you will. If you haven't figured it out already, the man was one of God's prophets by the name of Hosea. Hosea teaches us a very valuable lesson. What lesson does he teach, Bishop? I'm glad you asked. Marriage is hard work. But marriage is worth it. Say it with me. Marriage is work. But marriage is worth it. Now, I want to read uh, for you uh, Hosea, uh, the first chapter, 
verse 2 through 9 out of uh, the New Living Translation. Here's Hosea's wife and children. Verse 2 says, When the Lord first be, uh, began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, Go and marry a prostitute. Good God Almighty. So that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. Good God Almighty again. <laughs> Y'all forgive me. I got to read now. See. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. America is in this state. So Hosea married Gomer and the daughter uh, to blame. And she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And the Lord said, name the child Jezreel, for I am about to punish King Jehu's dynasty to avenge the murders he committed to Jezreel. In fact, I will bring an end to Israel's independence. I will break its military power in Jezreel Valley. So Gomer became pregnant again and gave birth to a daughter. And the Lord said to Hosea, name your daughter Lorama. Loharama. That means not loved. For I will no longer show love to the people of Israel or forgive them. It's serious business, y'all. But I will show love to the people of Judah. I will free them from their enemies, not with weapons and armies of horses and chariots, but by my power as the Lord their God. And after Gomer had weaned Lorame, she again became pregnant and gave birth to a second son. And the Lord said, name him Loami. No, they didn't say Miami, but Loami. <laughs> Not my people. So first of all, he said, you're not loved. Secondly, say, you're not my people. This don't sound good thus far. For Israel is not my people, and I am not their God. Now skip down to chapter 2, verse 5. Look what it says. It says, their mother is a shameless prostitute and became pregnant in a shameful way. She said, I'll run after other lovers and sell myself to them for food and water. Now that's lower than low. For clothing of wool and linen and for olive oil and drinks. Good God Almighty. Now you might ask yourself, why did God put this story in the Bible? And why would God ask this man to marry somebody who already knew was going to cheat on him? Well, you may ask yourself. Why would God create a people who already knew were going to cheat on him with other gods? Why would God still love us knowing that we're going to make choices that goes against everything that he's about? Why would God let us live when we do things to harm each other? Marriage is work, but marriage is worth it. 
Now, I realize that the story of Hosea is, you know, uh, analogy to the people of Israel who turned their backs on God. But the story is also a true story. Hosea was a real man. Gomer was a real woman. They shared re a real marriage and brought forth at least one real child, maybe two between them. And Hosea experienced real devastating heartbreak. But when God said, husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, I think Hosea's marriage gives us a pretty striking example of what that means. And too often, it's tempting, it's easy, it's recommended, it is reasonable, it's even expected to bail. On the liberal end, any reason whatsoever is sufficient. On the conservative end, most people would still give you the exception for marital infidelity. But the example that God gives to his people overlooks even adultery. Why? Because marriage is work, but marriage is worth it. All right, let me just give you some of Hosea's examples that we may demonstrate. Number one, if you're writing, here it is. Hosea experienced unspeakable pain. Say that with me, unspeakable pain. Now, I know some of you all have been married maybe once, twice, three times, and I know that you have rehearsed pain uh, and, and listen, and you say that I'll, if I get married ever again, I will not experience that pain again. But the problem is, is that what you don't understand is that you don't ever marry a perfect person. See, pain is going to be a part of life. But does it have to be so painful? Listen. Jesus suffered pain that none of us can identify with. And watch this. He experienced pain, unbearable pain that we can't uh, identify with. Watch this. And he didn't do anything wrong. Matter of fact, in the marital relationship, Christ married to the church. He was a perfect gentleman, and he treated the church with everything, all the love that you needed, everything. You had no reason to step outside of the relationship, but you did. He didn't deserve the pain. Well, you know, Bishop, now, she, I don't deserve it. I done gave that woman everything she wanted, everything she needed. I don't deserve it. Well, neither did Jesus. Uh-huh. Well, welcome to the pain game. So you think because you go through some pain, it justifies you in doing something opposite of what God tells you to do. And when you think that way, you don't think about this, but you're thinking selfishly. Because at that moment, is about you and nobody else. And you're going to get a little quieter. See, in marriage, the two become one flesh. Right? 
And when one rips away from the other, there is an unspeakable agony left in the open bleeding sore that remains. You rip something away from that other person. And I've heard some people testify that a divorce is more painful than the death of a spouse. When you read the story, you, can, you, know, you can't help but, but uh, be moved with compassion for Hosea as he is left in the lurch of a spoiled marriage. Now, he heard the voice of God. Can you imagine hearing the voice of God knowing that you're in the situation you're in? He heard the voice of God, found the love of his life, a beautiful bride, so he thought, and started to build a family with her. But no sooner he had weaned her second child before she conceived a third, but by the time that this third child is born, it's evident beyond all doubt that the child is not Hosea's. And when you read them down to verse 2 of chapter 2, you see that even though Hosea never divorced his wife, his pain was so deep and so sore that he denied relationship to her. Now imagine all that Hosea must have felt. He's felt rejection. He felt loneliness. He felt mourning uh, to death of someone who still lives. He felt bitterness. He felt anger. He felt inferiority. Uh, a broken spirit, a grieving heart. I mean, uh, that was his daily routine. He felt all of that on a day-to-day -day basis. And Hosea spent his days trying to fill the gaps left by, Ho by Gomer. She left gaping holes, gaps in his life. And he spent the day trying to mend his wounds. Good God Almighty. And he awakens after a short night, fixes the breakfast for the children and tries to make sure that they are clothed and fed. And he proceeds uh, uh, about the duties of his wife, cleaning, cooking, and kissing, and scraping knees, and stopping sibling squabblers. And, and be, and, but even though he loves his kids, he's alone. He's very alone. And the knife in his heart twists when Jezreel whippers that he wants mommy to come home. But she's out in the streets. She's a woman of the night. He's watching the children that are his, that are not his. He's loving them all the same. After he returns home from the daily trip to the market, he looks for that familiar figure. He does not see her. And out of habit, he opens his mouth to call for her. But before the word rises from his throat, it is constricted in pain as he remembers she's not there and she's not coming back. And get this. Hosea is a prophet. He is a man of God. How can this happen to a man of God? How can this happen to a prophet of God? I know sometimes, Lord, I'm saved. You know I love you. I love you with all my heart and everything. But how did this happen to me? 
do everything you tell me to do. I fast, I pray, I fast on Wednesday, I mean, you know, I, and I pray, and I come to church, I'm committed, I be to everything, I help out around the church, and I do that, yeah, 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 yeah. How can this happen? Heaped upon the torment of losing his wife to adultery is the responsibility that God has given him to preach the message of repentance to his people and he still has to go out and go to the house of God and perform his duties and preach to the people knowing that his house is in shambles. Unspeakable pain. How can I teach these people how to have a good marriage and how to have a love affair, to have a marital bliss, but my house is torn up? Pain. Pain. And with the burden of his own family, he carries God's burden for Israel. He preaches with unbridled passion because he doesn't just know the truth of what he preaches in his head. He has also experienced the pain of it in his own heart. And when Hosea lays his head on a tear-soaked pillow next to the empty place where his wife should be, the sorrow of the day does not subside to sleep. For all he can think about now is that his wife is in the arms of another man. And some other man who does not love her. He looks at her just like an object, a piece of meat, something that he could use and throw away. But just... He just, some other man who really just looking for another quick hit. But just right, and he just wants a right to violate her for just a single night. Agony upon agony. Unequaled misery unspeakable pain. If anyone had the right to the voice, Hosea could be considered to have that right. If anyone had the desire to divorce, if anyone had the approval of others to divorce, I mean, I know if I was there and some of you ought to get rid of her. Don't you put up with that man. And I can assure you that Hosea did above all others. He felt all of those things coming to his heart. But God wanted to use Hosea to teach his nation and eventually the world a couple of very important lessons. Marriage is still worth it. And marriage is worth it because it reflects the love that God has for his people. Don't, that, if you don't, you don't remember anything else, write that to you. I want you to don't, don't miss that point. The church is the model extension of the people of God. And God 
God says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and did what? Gave himself for her. Hosea modeled for God's people how God loves them. And God's love for his people is to model for how much husbands should love their wives. Now that tells me something very important. And I keep saying this, marriage is work. But marriage is work. And so, <laughs> after enduring un imaginable misery, God speaks to Hosea again saying, she not coming home on her own, but I want you to go find her. I want you to rescue her. I want you to bring her back home. I want you to win her heart again and make this marriage work. Could you imagine being on that assignment? Because marriage is worth it. Now if you look at chapter 3, so here's his Hosea, the, the love he shared with his wife has been rejected. And the stinging pain of the open wound has clotted over. If Hosea has any feeling left at all, they are hard, distant, and distrusting. And now God says to go back to her and love her. You see that? Go back to her and love her. If Hosea had any feeling at all, he said, go, now go back to her and love her. God, 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 she has really just, she spurned my love. She has just tap danced all over my heart. She has rejected me. She, has, she does not deserve my love. Yes, all of that is true. But husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. When they were yet sinners and gave himself for her. Marriage is worth it. Hosea heads out to find his wife and he's not under some romantic delusion. He probably doesn't have any feelings for her whatsoever, but he chooses to give her on the basis of nothing more than principle. He chooses to give her unmerited love. Number two is unmerited love. Number one was, what was it? Did I say? Unspeakable pain. Yeah, I did say that, didn't I? Number two, if you're writing, it is unmerited love. Say it with me, unmerited love. Hosea follows God lead. Look at, verse, uh, look at chapter two, verse 14. Hosea searches out his wife and offers again a bride's gift to her. It was customary for a man to give a gift to the bride uh, herself after she had consented to marry him. And Hosea, he seeks to win her heart again, but cannot only go, go but so far. He was, can you imagine? After your wife has prostituted on you, got children out of wedlock, uh, doing your marriage, and you got to go back and try to win her love again? Now look at what Hosea gave her. 15 shekels and half a homer of barley. The going rate for a slave was 30 shekels. Barley was about least valued grain that could be offered. It was viewed as the grain for animals, not people. I mean, she went very low. 
very low. And so Hosea was not given even the decent price for a slave. He went and bought her back and for, they wouldn't even give him money that he, they would give for a slave. That's how much he thought about his wife. So this indicates very two sad realities. Number one, the emotional distance between the two was vast. Hosea could have spent more on a slave who would have been faithful. Even his wife wasn't faithful, but a slave would have been more faithful. Number two, if Gomer was willing to accept this uh, paltry sum, she must have been in a desperate straits. So Hosea didn't have any spark of romance toward her at this point. Gomer was willing to take the price of a substandard slave rather than a bride. She had stooped so low that she couldn't even make no money. She had been used up just that much. And if Gomer is in such a destitute condition to accept this, then you can be sure that she was not the same smooth-skinned sweetheart Hosea married years ago. Can you imagine when he finds her, she's in dirty rags, matted hair, a face is all withered by the sinful lack of a prostitute. Goma leaves the house of her adulterous company and comes home. Where love is no longer what love was. Where love cannot be earned or merited, but rather chosen. And I heard once, wise man, one man, man once my, uh, wise man say that the best time to love your wife is the time when she's the most unlovable. And as a man, the same is true for respect. Wives affirm your respect for your husbands when they've just done something stupid. And he really needs to know that if the whole world, the whole earth should laugh at him, you will stand behind him with an adoring admiration. And so the biblical formula for, is for husbands to love and for wives to respect. Did you know that? that? That's in Ephesians 5, 33. It, that's the biblical formula for husbands to love and for wives to respect. Now, what is unmarried? I'm glad you asked. Here it is. Not one for the exchange of the other. Unmarried. Unconditional. Got it? So a woman and her husband who came to a pastor and said, we're going to get a divorce. That was, but we want to come to make sure that you approve of it. So there's some people who come to the pastor hoping that when they say that there is no feeling left in their marriage, the pastor will say, well, if there's no feeling left, then the only thing that you can do is just split up. Now instead, the pastor said to the husband, he said, the Bible says you're, you're to love your wife as... Christ loved the church. And he says, oh, I can't do that. And the pastor said, well, if you can't begin at that level, then begin on a lower level. He said, okay, what's the lower level? 
uh, you're supposed to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Can you at least love her as you would love your neighbor? And the husband said, no, that's still too high of a level. The pastor said, well, the Bible says love your enemies. Can you begin there? He's still shaking his head. Saying, I can't. <laughs> Hosea was learning that, that marriage was work, but marriage would be worth it. Hosea's marriage demonstrated unspeakable pain, the choice of unmerited love, and then next, number three, unending patience. Say it with me, unending patience. Now, Deuteronomy 24, verse 1 through 4, it makes it very clear that once someone is remarried, they may not return to their first spouse. Even if the second spouse dies, no return is permitted to the first. But until, unless a second marriage happens, everything possible should be done to restore the first. Now, that's according to Deuteronomy. Now, when you look at the names of Hosea's children. By the time his second child, no mercy, he was already begun to suspect that she was not faithful. But by the time she gives birth to not my people, he knows that she is no longer his. And after the third child, she leaves the house altogether. Now in chapter 3, verse 1, Hosea is commanded to go to her even while she is in the arms of an adulterer. Hosea didn't cut a deal with Gomer. He didn't institute the three strikes you're out approach. He did not divorce her. He did not lash out in violent rage against her or depressed suicide against himself. He took each agonizingly long day, each lonely moment, each serene pain one at a time. He found out that love and marriage take an unending supply of patience. Unending patience over unmerited love on top of unspeakable pain. But marriage is worth it. Marriage is worth it. Sometimes uh, else the, that, 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 that Hosea is to be commended for is his, number four, unconditional responsibility. Now, of course, you know, marriage is not 50-50, it's 100-100, and if both don't give, you know, your all, then you are like to, likely to wish you had, because if you don't give your all, uh, you will not receive the maximum that you are expecting. At least one of the children was not his own, and probably two, right? And he could have cast them out to be with uh his wife said, y'all get out of here. I want my wife to stay, but y'all got to go. He could have, you know, uh, forced them uh, on their own fathers and or demanded child support. But instead, he chose to take responsibility. He was Goma's husband. And what was Goma? Goma's was his too. Now, are we making men like that today? And it's real quiet in this Presbyterian church. (laughs) 
but a glaring weakness. Look at this. In today's marriages is that the spouse are more concerned with rights rather than responsibilities. Most folks you talk to, especially these new marriages, they are more concerned with rights than responsibility. When I go into relationship, I want to know what's my rights. Never mind the responsibilities. And that's why some of you all shouldn't have never gotten married because you're not, you were not ready to be responsible. You are not ready to get married until you become responsible. See, your problem was you got married off of the superficial things. You got married because you saw that check in the back. You, you got married because of the way she was walking. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear y'all over in that corner. That's my amen corner over there now. You got married because of her pretty face or her hair or her voice. Look like when she talked, look like you're going to melt. You got married because of his built. Huh? How he stands and got... That chest all out there, you know. And you know, he got, he, he got that sway when he walked, you know. He, he, he just, he don't walk, he glides. He glides. He don't walk, he glides. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You got married because he was smooth. Or because you thought somebody else wanted him. Huh? You got married because he looked like he'll make some good children. <laughs> you didn't get married because you're going all them responsibilities you're gonna have. You're responsible to love her like Christ loved the church. Christ never divorced the church. With all the foolishness that the church put Christ through. Still putting Christ through. That's how serious he says marriage. He does not compare marriage to anything. I mean, to God and himself to anything else. Like he does. Husband and wife with Christ and the church. No other comparison. Nowhere. And so in your marriage, husbands, you are responsible. That's the reason why you are named ahead because of responsibility. Not because you sit around and tell everybody what to do. Hey, go from here. You do that. Pick that up. You sit down. No. No. You're declared ahead because you are leading. Because you want to see everybody that's connected you do well. You want your children to know God. You want your wife to know God. You want your grandchildren to know God. You want everybody connected you to know God. And they, that, that they have a prayer life. That they have a relationship with God. And they're doing the right things on the behalf of God. 
whatever goes on in that house, good, bad, or indifferent, you, Mr. Sir, because you say you in charge of grabbing your britches. <laughs> if that goes on in that house, you are responsible. Yeah, but you don't understand this woman I got. Speak to Hosea. She ain't bad as Goma. When you want to compare, go have a talk with, with Hosea. Hosea went back and got her and paid money to get her back. After she was dirty and matted and wrinkled and just nothing. He scooped her up. Say, come on back and be in the place where you're supposed to be. Who does that? Who does that? You sitting around here crying your eyeballs up, don't crack it out till talking about, well, you don't know my husband. You don't know my wife. And you don't know this. You don't know. Well, you married him. You should have checked all that out before you said I do. But no, you just so ready. Ooh, I can't wait to honeymoon night. And some of y'all didn't wait. Let's tell the truth. Y'all were hitting it before money knew honeymoon night. Come on. Let's just go and tell the truth. Let's go and tell the truth. You shouldn't have been hitting it, but you were hitting it. Look straight ahead. Nobody know. Nobody know. And look straight ahead. Nobody will know. Nobody will know. So you was already out of order. You were telling a lie to God before you even got married. Because anytime you consummate, that's saying that you won. And you were not one. You were lying to God. So you had to repent. Repentance was, get it right, you went ahead and got married. You know, I'll take out the trash if you do the dishes. I changed his diaper three times today. It's your turn. I deserve to be treated better than this. I'm not going to put up with all this. Instead of both parties assuming full responsibility for a successful or successful marriage, they both are about half responsible, a recipe for disaster. You know, my dad always said that, I, I've heard others agree, that there is no such thing as a one-sided divorce. Now, I don't know how many, how, how Goma saw Hosea. Now, I don't know what he did to lose her attraction between their marriage and, and, and when she left. But I do know that before the crashing marriage burned, Hosea got his act together and took unconditional responsibility to make the marriage work even if it was just pure work. Why? Because marriage is worth it. He did everything in his power to make it work. Number five, uncompromising boundaries. Say that with me, uncompromising boundaries. Hosea was successfully uh, brought his wife home 
after all that happened, now he must keep her home. He's, he's got to put forth all the effort that he can and even more with God's help. But they both must have what we call emotional safe zone. Say that with me. Emotional safe drone. Say it again. Emotional self safe zone. So Hosea has to know that while he learns how to be a good husband in this new situation, he has to know that she is not going to be checking out and visiting other men again. He has to know that. We have to establish that. There has to be, look at this real closely, there has to be a mutual trust in any relationship, and that trust is built by respecting uncompromised boundaries. Um, they say that the safest, the safest place in the fort is in the middle. Not the walls, but in the middle. A good fort must have strong walls and towers, but that's to keep the enemy out. In a relationship, trust is built by staying in the center of the fort. If you're running around the wall looking at all the pretty enemies, you sabotage the center of the fort. But there's also needs to be alarmed when the enemy attacks the walls, right? If he's making a pass at you, you should tell your husband. If she's cute and you know, you know it, you should tell your wife. Just that simple act will fortify the walls and help you to stay in the center. Because watch this. As you get older, of course, you know, you don't have your time. You're going to see good-looking men and you're going to see good-looking women. But that don't mean you want them. You can admire somebody's beauty without wanting them. You just tell, you know, you tell your wife. I know sometimes we, we walk in there and, uh, and I'm just, you know, doing something else. And my baby said, hey, Baina, she coming towards us and that's a good looking lady. And, you know, she just, just telling me ahead because she know that. She said, you gonna, I know you're going to look. And, you know, and I said, yeah, and I'm going to keep on walking. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm going to stay out of trouble, you see. And then, you know, uh, this week, you know, look like everybody want to put on the shortest shorts that they can have. That's how they make them now? Oh, that's why they call them booty shorts. They make them, you, got, you buy them like that? You don't cut them like that. What? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. You buy them like that. They cheated you. You ain't get but a little old piece of material. They cheating you. $40? You better hut your mouth and keep on talking. Stay in the center. You got to tell you, stay in the city. You at the mall walking, you know, just look up to the hill from which cometh your help. 
They, they walk, they walk, you see them coming, you say, Hallelujah. Yeah. Start texting. Yeah, just tell yourself, don't look back, don't look back. Run, don't look back, don't look back, don't look back. <laughs> Boundaries. There must be accountability. Not for finding fault, but for proving trust. Write that down. The stronger the walls are built, the bigger the fort becomes. The bigger the fort becomes, the larger the center grows. And your responsibility will experience more freedom and trust and security. But you don't compromise the boundaries by running outside the walls or on top of them either. You don't do that. Sad story, finally, through much tears, toils, and work, this story finally comes to a happy end uh, with, and now the last point is, unlikely reconciliation. Listen to me. And, and, and it's not just in America, but it's all over the world. We've made adultery grounds for divorce. In actuality, it's grounds for forgiveness. I know you don't, I know you don't like that. It is ground for forgiveness. Forgiveness is a powerful word. Because it releases you and the person too. Okay, you don't forgive them. You divorce them. You're going to always, always be in bondage of unforgiveness. You hear anything about them, you just, it messes up your day. Because you never released them. And you did not release yourself. And watch this, forgiveness is more for you than them. How would, you allow, how would you allow a person to live on this earth for the rest of their life and they mess up your day every time you see them? Why would you give that person that much power in your life and authority in your life that they can just mess up your day just like that? So if I didn't like you, all I got to do is call so-and-so and that's going to mess up your day. Say, I know how you get to them. Call the ex. No, you got to release. Everybody shout, release. release. A woman came to a lawyer and said, I, I, I want to get a divorce. I really hate my husband. And I want to hurt him real bad. Give me some advice. Sir, can you give me some advice? Because I want to hurt him real bad. She wanted to leave him with a venomous thing. He know when he, when the next, when he think about her, every time he think about her, he'll know that she really put something on him. So the attorney said, look, you're going to divorce the guy anyway, so for three months, don't criticize him. Speak only well of him, build him up. Every time he does something nice, commend him for it. Tell him. What a great guy he is and 
do that for just three months. Can you do it for three months? And after he thinks that he has your confidence and love, hit him with the news and it will hurt him even more. And the woman thought, she said, ooh, <laughs> I can't go wrong on this. I'm divorcing him anyway. So why should I speak badly about him anymore? I'm going to speak only well of him. And then after three months, I'm going to let him have it. I'm going to drop him like it's hot. So she complimented her husband for everything he did. For three months, she told him what a great guy what great man he was. And you know what happened to that relationship? After three months, they forgot about divorce and went on a second honeymoon. When God pres prescribes the divine formula for marriage, he knew what he was talking about. He, he, he created male and female. He created marriage. And if you apply that formula of unmerited, unconditional love from the husband to the wife, and the wife applies unmerited, unconditional respect to her husband, not only will your marriage work, but it will work wonderfully well. It will make your marriage marvelous. I take thee to be my wedded spouse. To have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for rich, for poor, in sickness and in health. To love and to cherish, to death do us part. According to God's holy ordinance. And there too I pledge thee my faith. I don't know what, what you desire to have or what you want to do at this particular moment in your relationship. But if you want it to move in the right direction, then you must do the things to cause it to move forward. Marriage is a great thing. It's work, but it is worth it. So he said, well, Bishop, we didn't start off right. We've been having problems the whole time. We've been, we've been married for 12 years. Ain't nothing got better. This nothing got better. Reset. Matter of fact, start with you. Forget them. Start with you. If they don't do their part, I'm going to do my part. Why you say that, Bishop? We just read it. Goma did not do her part. But Hosea did his part. Through pain, he did his part. Through agony, he did his part. Through unknown and, 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 and sometimes probably sleepless nights, he still did his part. Real serious, real serious about turning your relationship around, resetting your marriage. Forget about all that stuff you think you, well, listen, 
Ain't nobody going, man. You know, you, listen, forget about competition. Men, we love competition, but this is not, you don't compete with your wife. You love her. That's what you do. It's not like you're on the opposite side of the team. Y'all in football, y'all on the offensive line, defensive line. One of y'all on offense, one on defense. Uh-huh. Yeah, come on. Let's go. Do the count, God, because I'm going to run him over. Uh-huh. I got something for you. You come on in here. No. We're not offense, defense. If anything, I'm on the line with you. You right there beside me. If we on offense, we're on offense together. Then when we get on defense, you right there beside me. Huh? I might be the nose guard, you the defensive tackle, whatever like that, defensive end. We right there together. We on defense together. We on the offense together or defense together. We're never opponents of each other. You got me? So while we're on the line, we tell each other, hey, I'm going this direction. Okay, you hit them high, hit them low. Okay, we're going to do this together. Because we are a team. We're a team. And I don't understand how you can get such, you know, I, somebody say, you know, people, people want to hear a good word, but they don't want to read a good Bible. They're looking for a good word from here. Can you have a word for me? Prophesy to me. You got a word for me? But you don't want to read a good Bible. And it'll tell you everything you need to know in order to go forward in God. Playing around with your soul and playing around with people who are not going anywhere. Get somewhere where somebody really got your interest at heart and going to teach you the ways of God and going to hold you accountable and say, hey, man, listen, uh-uh, that's not the way to do it. Even if, even if your relationship gets challenged, you still tell them the truth because the truth is the thing that's going to make them free. You should never go to anybody's church and always leave out the same. Sometimes you leave out of here just, you know, all bandaged up. You're all scarred up. You leave out of bleeding. The word just doesn't just cut you left, right, you know, up, down. Sometimes you leave out of here just dancing because, man, you just, ooh, I just had a celebration today. Then sometimes you leave out of here crying. You know what I'm saying? Because the word will find you. The word will find, did you hear me? The word will find you. Go to a place where the word finds you. Where the word finds you. You know, we can we as pastors, you know, we, we like to get excited and, and you know, and like they say you like you know, you like the hoop, you know, you you know, you like the excitement, you like the, all that stuff. And that has its place. I ain't, I'm not mad at nobody for that. But sometimes you just need flat, good old teaching in your face. That's what you need now. Cause some of us ain't gonna do better until somebody challenges. You're going to still keep treating, treating your wife the same, and she's going to be going to church for 15 years, and he ain't changed yet. How you go to church 15 years, and you'll never change? Since you've been here, you should have been unchanged three, four times, four, five times. Change every Sunday. I, I got something today I need to work on. Amen? And girl, I know, you know, maybe you was, you know, treated wrong, and maybe you might even been abused, you know, but you know, you can't paint everybody with the same paintbrush. God do have some men that are trying to do right and do good. Amen. 
Amen. We're not perfect, but at least we're trying to do right. Amen. That's all I got for y'all today. Y'all stay.